What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. It's episode 98. Uh, today I'm talking to Zonks. Uh, she is a uh, air traffic controller, um, which was a fun conversation because I had no idea what they did. Uh, really, it was kind of one of those windy corners of the Navy that I wasn't like I knew it existed, but I wasn't very familiar with it. Uh, and so it's fun to learn about that. And then also, uh, she has a comic that I've, I've been following her for a while. She, if you've seen like the Navy D and D, uh, rates and stuff like that, that was what kind of first caught my eye that I thought was hilarious. Um, but just like a super talented human. And, uh, I like to have conversations with people that do these types of things that are in the military, because it's fun to explore all the different personalities and talents of, uh, military members and just kind of see, like, I, I enjoy seeing, uh, them as individuals and instead of, Hey, like it, it, there's a lot of times a civilian perception or just an outside perception that, uh, people in the military aren't doing things like this. So I always, I always find it very interesting and fun to learn about, uh, what led people to do these types of things, uh, and what, like what inspired them to do it and how it started and all those types of things. So we get into all of that as well. In lieu of ever having a sponsor, I've basically created my own. If you want to support us, go to dgutsapparel.com. Don't give up the ship apparel. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Dguts Apparel. Uh, it's Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. I went out of my way to create some really awesome stuff that I think you'll really enjoy. And it's some stuff that I think you'll actually wear. Uh, I hate all the stuff in the Navy Exchange section. I hate a lot of the stuff I see on social media where some somebody's side hustle is creating like nauseating gear that no one actually wants except for like crusty old retirees, which I'm about to be. So I don't know if I should uh, talk smack, but anyway, uh, go check it out. Dgutsapparel.com. If you want to support us, that's the best way to do it. And I would really appreciate it. Uh, and I had a lot of fun. This was a really cool one and I hope you all enjoy it. Check it out. This is one of the first times I haven't had like a 20 minute discussion and regretted it before uh, I hit because normally like we'll talk a bunch of background and then I'll I won't hit record I'm like damn it I should hit record that was really good um so yeah like we just talked about uh just we'll start with your background um in as much detail as you're comfortable with and then we'll go from there sure uh my name is Jess Riley I'm a first class air traffic controller in the navy I've been uh, in the navy for about eight years just over eight years uh two carriers and now I'm at Fastback San Diego. So I'm uh, controlling for uh, 600,000 miles of sea and airspace on the Southwest and NorCal coast. Awesome. So, yeah. So um, what, <laughs> cause we talked a little just for a minute before we hit record, what, like ex- just walk me through like what an air traffic controller does. And I'll probably um, ask you some more questions too, just cause I, we like, we were just talking about before we started recording, like I've literally never met uh, an air traffic controller in real life. Like I just thought <laughs> you all were unicorns. Like I knew you were real, but like I never, <laughs> I've never actually met one. All right. Well, like I said before, like that's part of our deception. None of us actually exist. We, we are uh, kept in cool, dark spaces away from everybody else. We are not (laughs) the people that wave the sticks around. That is not us. Um, But we are responsible for uh, the official uh, line is that we are sequencing and separating aircraft, which doesn't mean a lot to anybody with like that kind of ambiguous kind of description. But Mm -hmm. we, we talk to airplanes and we tell them exactly what to do, when to do it. 
And we get them around sea space that's complicated, airspace that's complicated in order to make sure that they're getting to their mission or um, getting to an airport or to the carrier safely. And then like, what's a, like, what is a day in the life? Like, and I mean, you can split it up, I guess, if it's vastly different between like sea and shore, I guess, but I like, Uh, cause like the, the answer you just gave, like, I guess generally I kind of understand like, oh yeah, air traffic controllers, they make sure the planes don't crash into each other. But like, what, like, what's a day in the life for somebody that does what you do for a living? All right. Well, it does vary pretty pretty drastically from sea and shore. Um, for on on at sea, the runway moves right. The carriers got uh, yeah. a bunch of navigational issues that they have to accomplish in terms of of staying where they're in the box where they're supposed to stay, avoiding certain things, avoiding certain areas. So as aircraft go off and do their mission, uh, they go do their thing, and then when they come back, they're using uh, navigational aids to find the carrier, and then we make sure that they're set up in a way where they can uh, approach the ship safely in this in the right amount of time with like the right <clears throat> like approach angle, and then in the event that they miss the the resting wire, they have we have procedures and um, plans in place to make sure that they can like they go back around because now there's like 20 or 30 aircraft coming in right so right they have to fit in somewhere and they have to have enough fuel to do it so we make sure that we are putting them where they need to go and then as they get closer to the ship they go on to there's different controllers so we're passing off uh each aircraft to different controllers and as they get closer to the ship with uh my controller friends are going to laugh at me but like more precise radars because any any tech or controller knows that like our equipment can get a little uh (laughs) a little dicey at times but it is we we see exactly where that 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 aircraft is and where they are relative to how high they should be and how far left and right they should be. So we're giving those control instructions in the event that there's, there's fog or rain, or they just need more guidance. Um, So that's kind of, that's where we are uh, at at sea ashore, a little easier. Uh, The runway doesn't move biggest, biggest uh, win there. Uh, And (laughs) there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in the air. Like I know everybody's like, Oh, how could planes crash into each other? There's so much sky, but like they always want to be right at the same spot as each (laughs) other so uh we are contending with aircraft that are on flight plans that have specific places that they need to that they have been cleared to go to we've got aircraft that are all flying uh something called vfr visual flight rules so they're just kind of seeing out their window and avoiding other planes so they can kind of go anywhere Mm -hmm. uh we're contending with military we're contending with uh like airbus and and 737s like your commercial airliners and uh, uh, Joe, who bought a car or a, a car, uh, a Cessna, excuse me, on his uh, retirement, he's just flying around doing whatever he wants to. Army yeah. has different policies. Air Force has different policies. So we're we're dealing with all of that in like a tower or a radar environment and making sure that the aircraft are set up uh, to come into the airport safely or transit through our airspace safely. Um, yeah. I was just at North Island um, for a couple years, and they have a very complicated airspace. We share it with Tijuana, with San Diego International. There's another agency that deals with all of the airports. It's uh, called Tracon. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they're dealing with everything and and sequencing every airport in the area. And they have to kind of work with us and make sure that they're sequencing things appropriately for in and outbound because 
uh, North Island's runway and San Diego's runway are so close together yeah. that there's like timing. Um, fast fact is where I'm at now is even a little different than those. It's uh, a warning area, a training environment where we, it's a ton of airspace off of the, uh, of the coast. Uh, there's a couple of us around the country, a couple fast facts where aircraft are going um, and playing with surface units or, or playing with uh um, you know, special warfare programs and doing their thing out there. Um, so we, what is, we guide them. Huh? What is a fast fact? What does that mean? Uh, fleet area control and surveillance facility. Fast fact. Um, there's fast fact San Diego. There's vacapes. Uh, there's Jacksonville. There's a couple of us around. There's Hawaii. And they're all responsible for, for similar uh, services. It's just a, a ton of air and sea space that we guide the plane, like planes come out to, they do their thing. And then we make sure that they're all sequenced appropriately back out. Okay. What a, so that's a lot. That's yeah. A lot. <laughs> that's a, it sounds stressful. Just when you, you describing it is stressing me out. I don't even like, I don't, I've never, I don't think I could do that for a living. I think my head would explode. Um, what? So like what? Um, Cause like, I know what's your like day in the life. Like, it, it, like, in a when you go in for because you kind of described your schedule a little bit as we were trying to book this but like what is a day like for you because like i think air traffic controller first class petty officer so like oh you're probably going into an office being a leading petty officer doing normal things and that but then i have a suspicion you're probably not doing those things at least not the majority of the time you're actually like in some site some type of environment where you're doing all the things you just described where you're like on watch is that Uh, accurate we do all of the the first class things in addition to standing watch. Um, okay. At uh, at least from my experience at sea, we were on a, like a two a, like a blue and gold crew, and we'd switch our hours every day. Uh, the first watch would have it from like seven to noon, and they're standing their air traffic control watches. Mm-hmm. Um, every if you're not on watch, you're you're doing some sort of collateral. If you're lucky enough to not have that any of those, then you're you're you know taking care of yourself. You're going working out. Liberty as much as you can have at sea, right. and then um, you come in um, at twelve o'clock. The other crew comes in; they relieve the on the on watch, and they stand their watch. Yeah. Everybody then gathers up at the end of the night, or the sorry, the start of the night for something called case three. So we've got all our events coming at night, like all of Ooh. our night flight ops. Everybody's in CATSI, which is the air traffic control center, carrier air traffic control center, and we're working you know, 20, 30, sometimes if we have a full wing, it's, there's a lot of birds all coming in at the same time. We're working till zero two. Um, we, we're done with flight ops. We started all over again. Um, this time the crew that was on at 12 is coming in at seven in the morning. Okay. Um, at, uh, a shore, same idea to, uh, two crews. We switch every week. In, in mm-hmm. At least in my experience. So first week we'll have zero six to two. The next week we'll have 1345 to 2230. And there's a mids that rotates throughout there. Um, we as controllers are lucky enough to have limitations on how long our watches can be or how long we can control in a 24 hour oh, period. And then what we, a novel concept. I, right. Right. <laughs> Mandatory you have to rest. Be, you know, like alert and stuff. <laughs> Cognizant yeah. of what's going on. What I a mean, novel concept. Uh, we, <laughs> we also have um, a limit on how many days in a row we can work without having 24 hours of liberty in between. Oh, Obviously, my God. 
at sea, those Sweet things can sometimes Jesus. get pushed. <laughs> I, yeah, it's like I said, I told you we were spoiled. <laughs> I basically <but laughs> flew a submarine underwater for three years of my life, eight hours a day, seven days a week, and they didn't give a flying <laughs> you know what about my rest or not rest or whatever That's, i mean wow. it's a shame i mean yeah. it's you just said it you said the perfect example you're flying effect, effectively flying a vessel underwater oh which my is God. Yeah. just as dangerous yeah um, but we as air traffic controllers have to pass the same medical regulations as pilots do mm-hmm. but so we're under like certain bed rest rules like that and we're under that's the same. hilarious to me i mean like in a in a bad way obviously like <laughs> i think i i it's not like i'm like i'm a little jealous but like i just mean like i don't think it's negative obviously i think it's amazing but like it's it's curious to me as well like why that community has that right and like i've even heard so for for instance and they're civilians, but like we contract with um, these civilians that do like the transfer vessels and stuff for mm-hmm. submarines. And y- the way I- I've been in the room when they're like scheduling those uh, personnel transfers or su- like they're doing supply stuff or whatever. And uh, like you can only do it so often because there's two vessels and like I think two crews per vessel or something like that. And if they've been too busy, it's like, yeah, they need like a 24 hour rest period because yeah. they need. And I'm like, why? Why don't we have that? Like, exactly. No one ever cares if I get sleep in exactly. 21 years. No one's ever cared if I've gotten sleep. And I mean, burnout's still pretty real for yeah. me, too. And I can only imagine. I mean, I'm, I, I went cranking at just like every e- E4 and below. In, yeah. It goes cranking. And people were cranking to get a break yeah like in other divisions that i have oh known yeah in. and that that blew my mind i yep. was i was like what what do you mean yeah. you have four hours of sleep oh yeah like when i would have people come uh and it's food service attendant because we're politically correct nowadays mm. um but when they would come fsa for me like they like especially so like the junior guys hated it because they just got to the boat and they're full of piss and vinegar and want to go do their job right but then fast forward a couple of years and you get like a fully qualified second class that like sometimes the watch bill would get fat and I would need like a, a person from engineering. And so um, instead of having like a kick out or just some random nuke or whoever, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of be an extra, they'd give him the good deal and they would send him up to me. And he's like, <laughs> I'd have this fully qualified second Score. class nuke or whatever. And the dude is like walking on sunshine everywhere yep, he goes. Yep. Like he's got this big smile on his face. He's running around the mess decks, getting drinks for people, getting <laughs> nine, 10 hours of sleep every day. Like he loved it. And so Absolutely. it's hilarious because it's like all the new guys hate their life the whole time and they're miserable. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, no, you're going to be begging me to come back in six months, bro. Calm down. <laughs> like it's, it's so funny. And, um, and then like, and in true, you know, sailor, I'm sure it's universal. I mean, if we're not complaining about something, then something's wrong. Like right. we can't have caffeine to the same uh, level as the rest of the fleet. Um, oh my we God, can't have, we cannot have energy drinks at all well, within 24 hours. So I probably wouldn't have a sleep disorder if I, <laughs> I had my sleep protected for 21. Like, cause I have like the world's worst sleep apnea. I've been diagnosed with insomnia and anxiety. Like I'm a dumpster fire and I'm willing to bet a lot of it is because of that. Like a lot of it is because of not just 
um, like a, a really chaotic and um, not consistent sleep schedule. But then what's interesting and I've been, you know, I'm in therapy. I'm like, I've got all <laughs> kinds of stuff going on. But it's like the one of the things that I've recognized in like the last probably year. And at part of it was I was talking to Ellison from Test Depth, who's one mm-hmm. of the it's he's going to be on the podcast I'm about to release today. Um, is he pointed it out to me where he was like, you've associated sleep with like a negative experience for a really long time where um, I like as soon as you get to a submarine, you're getting a hard time about sleep where because like when you first show up it's the first 12 months ish you're like that's the like kind of the limit is you're supposed to get your dolphins within 12 months but it's like your Mm -hmm. whole existence revolves around are you qualified yet and that applies to more than just dolphins but it's primarily dolphins so it's like at every turn it's like if you're getting more than like five hours of sleep you're you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Like every single time like people will like, if you, if you try to get like an equalizer where you're sleeping for like eight, nine hours and mm-hmm. then you get up, everybody's going to be like, Oh, welcome back to the world. You know, like yeah. just start getting, how dare you? Yeah. And it never yeah. stops. Like I'm talking yeah. about like my last summary and I'm a department chief, senior chief, like getting out of the rack after eight hours and, and you walk out and there's like a common area. That's the mess on a submarine. And they're all giving me, oh, wow, God, well, time warp to the future to try, I mean, like, just giving you a hard time about it. And so, and also I would get racked out all the time and it never stopped. Like my, on my first boat, it would happen for, you know, because everybody was incompetent. I don't know. Like it would just happen for like a myriad of reasons. And then also like drills and all that other stuff. But then on my first chiefs tour, I didn't have any fleet returnees and we were a little undermanned. So my guys were racking me out every five minutes because they didn't know what to do. So like right. every time I would try to lay down, I'd have them coming to get me or we were shooting trash or we were doing something else that they needed me for. And then right. third submarine wasn't much different. I was constantly getting racked out for God knows what. And it's just so you get where you're like, I could never even really sleep because I was expecting somebody to come. Every time you hear the birthing door open, you're like, oh, here we go. You know, like yeah. brace for so, shock. Yeah, so it just became this negative association, and I think that's why I have such a hard time sleeping now. Is like, and I don't know like how sleep apnea develops, but like I'm I have a suspicion that submarining has something to do with it because I know like everyone. I definitely think like the continuous forced off the circadian rhythm doesn't help anything at all, and like and that's the thing too. Like it's fleet, it's fleet wide. Mm -hmm. In my experience, that the race to the bottom is considered like an act of uh, like you're correlated specifically with the amount of work is your value, right? Like I mean, that's just that is the the fleet uh, temperature here, and and then the same thing. Like oh well, I got three hours. Like oh yeah, well I got two hours. Oh yeah, well I got (laughs) I haven't slept in a week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, as you're holding the 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 helm. Like oh cool, great, awesome, love that for you. Yep, and Uh, that's like yeah, that same kind of stuff because you like translate that through the male pride filter or male bravado filter on mm-hmm. a submarine which up until recently that's all there was now we have i had female officers on my last submarine but um but yeah it's it's ridiculous and it's like mm-hmm. it's like that one upsmanship of like let me see how stupid i can be you know like it's right. to, to the it, point that i've seen grown men snort pre-workout and there you go like it's it, yeah. just idiots it's it's it sucks that that's the i mean look at the the crashes that we've had in the last yeah. couple of years a- aviation and surface side mm-hmm. and and everybody was like it's never a surprise to my sailors 
Yeah. Every, every, every piece of brass that I've, I've ever seen in a press release has been like, we don't know how this could have happened. And yeah. Every single sailor I have ever yep. met in my career has <laughs> been like, well, I know how it yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like this guy just did a 16 hour watch and then he also has to just take this MRC card and try to read it through yeah. like the fatigue and then also has to find time to sleep maybe yep. shower and it, if you can work out yeah and, and then, then take care of yourself air quotes yeah, like how, yeah because that's the same like it's like the the same thing applies to like so i was i went on this thing like recently on mental health stuff and i did a lot of research for an episode i've yet to record because i was trying to do it with someone and then that didn't work out or whatever but mm-hmm. whatever that's neither here nor there but a lot of the research I did was based on there was an article that came out where uh, somebody at the Pentagon basically said, uh, like, we're having this rash of suicides and we have no idea why it's happening. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, how really like, I could get out crayons for you real quick if you need <laughs> if you need some help Does understanding. Anybody have a whiteboard? Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody give me a giant crayon and a chart pack so that I could like, come on. How like. We don't know. Really. Yeah. And, and it's and then when like all the G-Dub stuff happened and then that exploded with like, like the Mick Pond did what he did and everybody freaked like the Internet was on fire. And mm-hmm. so that kind of the conversation is happening again. And so it's just like I don't <laughs> I wonder often what the disconnect is or if there is a disconnect, because part of it is like it, at some point when it becomes political, it's like I don't. I don't believe that they really have no idea. It's like, I think they're just saying that because what else do you say? Oh well, yeah. An no, acceptable like we, loss. Yeah, exactly. It's, like we get yeah, like, Oh yeah. We just, in our algorithm, our spreadsheet says that we're still in the green. So if a F 18, like mud darts once every like 12 years or like once every 12 months or something like that, that's like, an acceptable uh we still recruited three more right this year so right. it's fine i Which, mean we we have this many sailors can the watch get manned it's never like yeah i hope this say like obviously i have leadership and stuff that that does care but mm. i the the underlying current is like but we need to maintain this op tempo we can't right, let right, this affect right. any higher we can't let anybody know that we need more or we need help right and, well and locally what's what kills me too is is there's like you, in in the experience I've had on submarines anyway, because I obviously can't speak for other communities, but I suspect it's very similar. Is at the triad level, especially a commanding officer, like you, they have a lot more control over what happens, like inside the skin of that submarine while we're mm-hmm. underway on nuclear power, than uh, I think most people think they have. Where it's like. There's certain things that you're forced to do. And I, I'm sure you, you guys in your community have like similar metrics where like naval nuclear power has certain requirements where thou shalt train this much on these yep. things per quarter or whatever. But then there's a lot of other stuff that happens where like if I could go through the plan of the week and categorize it by like, yep, that's a requirement. That's a thing we just that's a like a lot of it is self-inflicted wounds is what I'm getting at, where it's like a lot of it is the CO is making that a requirement, right? Yeah. Or the department head is making that a requirement. Or the XO is making that a requirement where they feel like 
it's an, a, an unspoken requirement, most likely because the Commodore said they have to work on these training things or we got to get better at this or we're preparing for the next thing. Um, no doubt driven by the fact that they think this is going to affect their fit rep and, and follow sure. on like commands and whatever. But like there's a, a lot more control at the triad level than is ever really exercised because what what happens is like they put the the cart before the horse where they're like oh mission first we got to train we got to do great on this inspection we got to like nail this whatever you know this exercise or whatever we're doing and and instead of taking care of people and making sure that they're yes well trained but also like well rested and you know like physical and mental health priority and all those things so that when game day comes everybody's in the best possible situation they can be i don't expect it to be optimal but it could be a lot better than it is where they're getting more sleep and more rest with the understanding that we're gonna be pushing hard what we do is difficult like we know that right but they put the they put the the cart before the horse and that they're worried about metrics and spreadsheets being green and uh in in their minds it's like they get maniacal about the pursuit of being ready for these things so that they can nail it and the answer to that is like this weird like regression to to the point where they're just like oh the way that i the like i can't be ready for this thing or as ready as we possibly can be for this thing unless we just train until we're all cross-eyed like we're just gonna do everything we possibly can uh sleep be damned you know like like wellness be damned and in their minds that's what's best for the mission and they talk about it in those terms they don't talk about what's best for the people which in my mind and in my analysis is what's best for the mission like they that the people are the mission like they're the ones getting it done so if you want the mission to be accomplished optimally you should be taking care of your people because You're suggesting they have you should to, invest in the people that make the programs run exactly How like dare they're you? the one they're the ones How that are got, dare you <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that have to do the thing shocking right, um right. so it's and then and then when something does go horribly wrong they throw their hands up and go i don't know what happened and it's just mm-hmm. like I, like well, we trained so much for this we qual everybody was qualified everybody was you know, we did all the things we were supposed to do. And it's just like, and then, like you said, everybody that's responsible for doing the thing and was adjacent to the mishap or is involved in similar things all the time is like, no, I know exactly what happens. <laughs> like the you morons are pushing a, like everybody's redlining all the time. You got you're pushing exactly. people to I'm- unrealistic uh places where they're just like they're way past the boundaries of what's uh, like possible for somebody functioning optimally. And I'm glad you brought up the red line um, because as we've had a uh, CNAF just had a, a safety pause, mm-hmm. uh, everybody shall stop what they're doing. And we're going to discuss, um, which I thought was an improvement, the underlying cause to a mishap instead of investigating the actual mishap. Like yeah. obviously they're going to figure out what happened, yeah. uh, uh, but we need to figure out why it continues to happen. And, and I, I was thinking about it in this brief about how, you know, it, it there's not that one, like, gotcha. There's not yeah. just like the, the one guy who gun decked something, in right, the wrong, right. you know, at the wrong time, but it's, it's the 16 hour days ashore that right. this, and it's, it's the holding people till 2330 because of a missing wrench. When you damn well know that, the second class who was on the opposite side of the base all day didn't do had anything to do with it. Like it's it's right. the lack of critical thinking over a hundred different 
little things that have all culminated to where we're at right now. And right. Uh, it, it's just so the problem is so pervasive throughout every aspect of our of the service that there isn't a convenient memo to put out to fix it. Well, what's it's it, you know I'm a broken record on leadership development and education, and to me it's that like it's not a convenient memo, but it's. It seems like it's an incredibly simple one to understand. And I don't know if I'm an alien and like there's that like the reason why my like I'm the one banging this like war drum constantly and not a lot of other people are. Like if if that's just I, I have a unique like, I don't know, operating system or something, but like. I don't th- like I don't think I do because what I'm saying resonates with so many people. They're like, oh, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, so I like in my mind, I'm not unique. I'm just, uh, the only thing I'm unique in is like, my, I guess, my my willingness to speak up and my masochism for spending all my time doing this, but like <laughs> like in all my free time anyway. But like it's it seems incredibly simple to me and it wouldn't be easy or cheap or there, there you go. I mean, there, that's yeah. period. Exactly. Like, yeah, you're not wrong. And, but <laughs> thank I'm, I'm, thank you. I'm podcast. I'm <laughs> it's been great being here. I'm I'm glad you invited me out, but we've solved it. Mission accomplished. And We've done it. Like <laughs> so yeah, it is sim- it's simple, but it's not easy. And then just like you yeah. know, when you see like they they always preach, see something, say something. Don't be the yeah. guy. don't be the guy with the secret. But it if you if you do speak right. out in, in in any way that's going to inconvenience the you get crucified. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it, it's it's hard to to live it, and it's hard yeah. to to preach that, especially like if there's a failing above you, right? Like you're gonna do the right thing, but if there's somebody above you that's gonna mm-hmm. that's just gonna stonewall, then I mean, a lot of us get burned out. Like, what's the point? Yeah, and well, and what they mean when they say that is like what <laughs> what's if you read between the lines, what they're really saying is if you see something that might get me in trouble or fired. Right say right. something but if you see something that is only making your life hurt i don't really care like is, can you still come to watch yeah i've been in those rooms where like we we had this um virtual suggestion box for the co where it was like an anonymous email so like you know you uh, collectively eye roll at that because most a lot of people didn't trust it um that like you couldn't just go in and see who sent the email which you probably i'm sure there was a way to do that but to my knowledge, they weren't mm-hmm. doing that. But um, when we did get feedback, a lot of times it was in a, in a pretty um, aggressive tone where like somebody was pretty, pretty pissed off about something. But that like I'd be in the mess and it, like sometimes a CEO would come down with it too. like he'd print it out and bring it down to like ostensibly talk to us about it and hopefully like get oh, some dad kind came of a, downstairs a, but what what ended up happening was they'd sit there and like make fun of it and like troll the kid and i'm right. just like you, you come on like they got out crayons and construction paper and a glue stick for you and like put some glitter on there just to draw your attention <laughs> so to like like give you the roadmap because yes okay even though the tone is aggressive one that's a that's a in and of itself is an indicator of like how how like bad this is right where uh-huh. like they're this pissed off about it but what they would take it as is like almost like insubordinate they would get like mad that a yeah. second class took this tone in this email to the co even though it's supposed to be anonymous blah 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 
so then but also like it that and a, a lot of, of the other stuff that was said like the the actual message would get lost because of that they like they'd sit there and troll it and because they didn't like the tone and because a lot of times they would sit there and because i did this when i i was simio and i debriefed a command climate survey too and there was like stuff in there that painted like that it was like talking about the the sel being terrible the co being terrible the xo being terrible the chiefs being terrible and it's like i'd brief those things like that i'd saw a trend on in, in the comments and stuff and they were sitting there making fun of it or saying it's not true and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, but it is like, like, <laughs> this the proof. Why, like, yeah, I, this is this is objective quality evidence. Like this is like the whole thing. Like we surveyed everybody. We got a greater than 50 percent response. It's mm-hmm. like this is like evidence. This is analytics for you to see like that this stuff is true, because if everybody that works for you thinks it's true, it's true. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Like, you could feel that everybody's getting enough sleep or that you're a great communicator or like everybody's happy with or like you're doing a great job. So everybody must be happy with it. And then when the lion's share of the population you're charged with leading says you're doing a terrible job, you're like, well, no, I'm not. And like the, somehow that like that just washes all your sins away. And it's like, no, if they think you're doing a terrible job, your analysis of the job you're doing is irrelevant. And so it's like it's it's like that kind of stuff drives me absolutely insane. And so like back to what you were saying, it's like they could go back, I, I suspect, through like every mishap that's ever happened and run analytics on them. And somebody that somewhere is probably doing that. And you'd you would see if you evaluated it, most likely that this kind of stuff we're talking about with like sleep and low quality of life and stress and whatever is really the underlying factor. But it's I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just like a human nature thing where in the analysis of those things, it's often acknowledged, but never um, like given the weight that it should, you know, like where because like yeah. I've sat in critiques where. You know, like there was a work controls violation and or like some kind of a safety thing that happened or a watch standing problem that led to potential like equipment damage or or like risk to people, you know, Mm -hmm. and they'll talk about those things in the critique, but then they'll zero in on like basically like you need more training or it was like some kind of personal negligence or whatever instead of yeah, instead of saying well, okay, so if the guy didn't look at the tag or the guy looked at the tag and missed something, they look at it like it's negligence instead of saying, well, okay, why is a guy that we've routinely evaluated to be an early promote sailor Mm -hmm. negligent in this moment? Like, how did we get here? Like, what was the reason for that? The reason for that was the guy didn't sleep. So, like, no one's going to care about anything when they haven't slept for 30 hours you know like it's going to be even if you do care your like just capacity to process information and be perceptive and pay attention to detail is going to be extremely diminished i think around it's like you get to like greater than 24 hours it's like the same effects as being intoxicated it's like what are we what are we even talking about so that's what frustrates me a lot is that like they it's even if they acknowledge it they never point at it like it is the smoking gun when it like to people like you and me it seems to be obviously the smoking gun is that that's the 
more often than not, and I'm not, there could be other reasons, right? But like more often than not, if you really honestly um, investigated these types of things, it almost always leads back to something like that. And and it's also in tandem with this, uh, the sense of a lack of personal accountability. I'm sure you've seen uh, like Reddit or any, any of the Facebook, uh, Facebook uh, comment sections, but like yeah. uh, uh, the, the lack of, well, that's, yes, I am a good leader. Well, if, if a hundred people are saying otherwise, <laughs> but like, but it's just that like lack of personal accountability, like, well, yeah. in every little aspect, well, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. Then it's, well, it, it can't possibly be them. Like it has to be somebody else. Like every time I was on this boat, it became like this, this, uh, really prominent running joke where every time something would go wrong, they would muster E4 and below and start lecturing them. And I'm talking like <laughs> a chief gets a DUI, muster E4 and below. We're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> Did like, you, didn't you know? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And that's like, it became a meme eventually because it was like a first class gets in a bar fight, muster E4 and below. E4 and, below. <laughs> like, and so then like every time like we would be like, um, like a piece of equipment like a like a motor would smoke itself and we'd have like a response where like there was basically like a fire and they'd be like muster you for and below <laughs> like it just became it just became like a meme and it was so it's like and that was the mindset was like well it couldn't possibly be our fault so holding ourselves accountable just doesn't compute so it was like uh, they did some warped analysis where they're like, every time something would go wrong, they'd be like, well, who's the highest risk population to do this uh, again? Oh, it's E4 and below. And I'm uh -huh. like, but they're not the one doing it. Like, so right. like, what are, it was like, it was insane. And even most of the chiefs were looking at each other like, what is happening? And but, like a lot of the wardrobe was making fun of it. But did, you know, did like, they, did they, did they step in? No, no. They, no, no, they didn't because no. it wasn't their problem. Well, so I can tell you like in the in the room, like so when we have uh, conversations like that, like in the room, guys like me were saying like, why are we mustering the E4 below? Like, like this is stupid. So like it's not like the it wasn't voiced, but the the at the at the end of the day, the decisions made by the triad. Right. And so like they decided, oh, I can't, I can't possibly take ownership of this. So it's got we got to. And it was always this like logic that you know i obviously disagree with but it was this logic of like yeah no we're gonna we're gonna close the loop on that which means like do a pio and then not uh -huh. really do anything meaningful um but we like we basically have assessed the highest risk of recurrence to be in the e4 and below population so we're just gonna muster <laughs> e4 below and talk Gosh. at them and so yeah it's like it's not and and i i would Imagine that in their minds, um, account it like they're holding whoever accountable. Because, like for instance, like let's say it's a chief. Um, this will be the favorite example for everyone. It's like they would, <laughs> they would do some kind of an investigation usually, and then there'd be the adjudication was usually a letter of some kind. Even if they went to mast, which, um, like for a DUI nowadays, for e especially they're definitely going to go to mast, but. Like right. for if it was for something else, like the, like I, I keep saying DUI and that's probably too extreme of an example. But if it was like something to do with maintenance or whatever, where they just did something that was wrong that a first class would have got an anvil drop on their head for, um, it would be like a letter, which in the minds of 
like senior khakis is like that. I just ended their career. Right. But in the minds of E4 or E6 and below, nothing happened. Like they like you didn't take any money away from them. You didn't take any rank away from them. You didn't do any of the things that you would do to me. And it's like you're they're they're correct. And, you know, like it's I've gone into it a little bit in other podcasts about like how I think that chief should be get, able to get reduced in rank by like the that first flag officer in the chain of command instead of this mm-hmm. like super high bar. But um. But like it is, it is a, a pretty harsh punishment for somebody that wants to continue to service and wants to continue to promote. But also, like, kind of nothing happened at the same time. Like they're not wrong in their analysis. So it's like, I don't know. Like they, in the minds of those people, they did hold them accountable. You know what I mean? And it's like, right, but yeah. they kind of didn't. And it's like, I, I a hundred percent agree with the the interpretation of like the E6 and below that are on the outside looking in, like nothing really did happen, even though like, yes, they're promoted. Like you took away potential growth and that's about it. Like they still get to retire. They're still a chief. They're still getting paid the same. So it's like nothing really happened. All you did was like, like draw a bright red line in their record saying thou shalt not promote again. Most right. likely, like depending on how long they have left in service, but it's like it's going to at least slow it down a lot. But like they didn't lose anything real, and like a first class would lose a stripe, they'd probably be on restriction, like blah blah blah. So it's like, and that's like immediate, like very evident pain, and that you can measure. Like I lost money, I lost the like a a, a level in rank, I lost. 30 days of my freedom, you know, like 30 days of liberty, stuff like that. Um, But also like all that, like actual um, like procedural stuff aside, I don't, I think the biggest barrier is like the, just taking ownership of stuff. Like it's not natural for people in, especially very senior leadership positions to just take ownership of it and say, yeah, we screwed that up. I was wrong. I'm going to try to do better in the future. Just that and I, piece. And I'm seeing, I am seeing a shift as, you know, I work at a very small command mm-hmm. and I am seeing that, that shift happening. Of, Good. Of, of, yeah. It's great. It's wonderful yeah. to see where I'm, I'm finding myself like uh, surprised. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like they, you agree that it's not, Seaman Timmy's fault that like right. he's got like he, he finally burns out and he he admits that he needs help. It's like like, like yeah. I got asked like, well, so whose problem is it? And I was like, well, that's that's it's not it, it, that's your job. Like it's yeah. your job to manage the people. If you're going to get ranked on on a on a fit rep or an eval of of the accomplishments of your junior sailors, then you then you need to be responsible for that growth and success without just right like I cast you forth and you will do these things and I will reap the benefits. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm seeing that now and, and I'm hoping that like that, that continues to trickle and, and inject itself into the rest of the fleet. And, and at least the aviation community is, is starting to see it from my little small window. And, and I'm really pleased with it and it's just slow going. It's just how consistent effort. This is going to be, might seem like a weird question, but I'll, I'll connect in a second. What, how fast do you, is, how fast does a air traffic controller make it to chief on average? Um, it's a lot slower now, but, okay. um, uh, the, I would say, hmm, like 10 years, maybe. 
Okay, that's not terrible. Maybe, that's... yeah, I've had people get it in six. I've had people get it, um, you know, in 16. But generally right, speaking, right. it yeah, like I, I made, I'm, I came out, out of boot camp as an E3, made E4 first time, made E5 first time up, made E6 at, through a map. So it's just like boom, 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 boom. Yep. Yep. And you're sudden like we have a lot of junior chiefs, but okay. Well, so the down. the reason I the reason I bring that up is because I, I like I've talked to, to some people about like how like they're talking about like like the disconnect right between like very senior leadership and the rest of the fleet, where it feels like like if you go to like an all hands call or just go to like their website or Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever, and like listen to them talk or like the like the the uh, really. Uh, like obviously negative response to the McPons all hands call on G dub. It's like people are shocked by how inept that was, like just how tone deaf it was. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of factors that could play into it. But like, if you go listen to like any of these people talking at all hands call, a lot of times you just feel like they're in like an alien. Like you just feel like who, like who are you? And like, why are you talking about these things? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in some closed door sessions with these people and it's still the same way. And and the the reason I, I suspect that it feels that way is because there's this huge like generational gap between absolutely that person and you. And so like the we're sitting here wondering like why like that type of leadership that we were just talking about isn't being implemented at the higher levels. And it's because like like one going back to the reason I do this, like there's a huge void in leadership development and education. So like it's never really taught, but the, the tiny amount that it is built into like officer development and chief development, which takes, you know, it takes a decade or more to get to that point where you're getting that type of education. It's like, um, it takes generations to like breed the ignorance out of the system. If like, mm-hmm. if we started today with like a robust leadership development and education, curriculum at every level it would still take a couple of generations like navy generations to breed out the people that were unwilling to change before it became like an institutional norm so like the tiny amount that is getting downloaded into uh like new new accessions and stuff it's mm-hmm. like now hopefully now what you the what the reason you're seeing it is those people started making chief because like mm-hmm. we we're t- i was having a conversation with somebody about like why um the Pond would do that or like why fleets and forces seem so out of touch with what's going on in the real Navy or even like CNOs or really high level admirals. Yep. And it's like those people joined the Navy in the eighties. That's right. why like somebody like me, I joined in 2002 and it seems like a lifetime ago, but like the very beginning of 2002. So it was, I was a nine 11 baby. Like I was one of those ones where it was like nine 11 happened. I was in college. I dropped out and joined the military. Right. So, um, for before somebody like even like someone like me could be the Mikpon. I mean, you're looking at another 15 years before somebody right. like me is at that level. So it's like the when you think about how slowly the ship turns, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. even if we pressed hard reset and and decided this was like a, a our prime directive as an organization was to fix this leadership development education problem, it would still take a couple generations to breed it all out. I think it would make a huge difference. Like you would see a a measurable positive change, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's tough but it's cool that you're seeing it because that means at least at the like divisional chief level it's starting you know which yep. you're still you're looking at a 10-year chief right now i mean you're looking at another 25 years before that person's like a force master chief or something but <laughs> right um you know yeah that's good that's that's pretty amazing that that you're seeing it because it's rare nowadays i think still um yeah and, and I, I caution that, that it's, it is my small window, but it does mean that it exists. And I hope that it, it has the strength to survive yeah. several more duty stations and, and isn't tempered by by the bitterness of, of several yeah. commands and, and the shenanigans that come with that. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, you're you. So fight the good fight when you put on khakis. But um, yeah, it's like a a lot of it too. like. So one thing I've I've discovered i guess is probably the best way of saying it by doing this podcast for the last seven years is that this the outlook that we share isn't unique and i kind of mentioned that earlier where it's like when i started doing this and chief started discovering it it was universally positive response which i had a big fear that the opposite would happen because i felt like i was going against a lot of things that were norms in the chief's mess um what's funny about it is a lot of the people that are of my generation um, and even some that are older than me agree with like the outlook agree with everything. I'm not everything I'm saying, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. pretty much everything that um, I'm talking about on the podcast. And I I've gotten those types of not just like positive responses, but like, you've changed like my life type responses. Like you've changed my, not like my Navy life, you know, like mm -hmm. chiefs that were like bitter and jaded and on their way out of the Navy, like reaching out to me and be like, you like have reinvigorated my like drive to be a good leader wow. and a good chief. And yeah. And so I'm like, it's, so it's not unique to me or you or whatever, you know, like I think there's a lot of chiefs and messes sitting there feeling this way and thinking this way. But like feeling like that the culture of the mess and of the Navy won't allow them to function that way. And so they kind of do the best they can in their tiny little bubble, but they don't speak up like they should. They don't um, they don't like project that into other areas of the mess, the ship, the, the whatever, like that they could. And it's it, and I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult because that's kind of the, the flip side of it is the cost of doing of doing that type of business and which I think will will very slowly go down over time as those people kind of uh, like move on from the military and and are displaced by people with that have that more of this outlook but it's going to be a slow burn so it's like somebody like you is going to still be going into an environment where you'll probably be outnumbered by people that are are they may think this way Right. Or they may just be crusty old, old folks that like have <laughs> a, a ridiculous outlook or just like a a level of incompetence when it comes to like leadership development and, and interpersonal like relationships and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you'll more and more you'll start to see, especially the people that are ascending with you, you'll see more a lot more people like you and the more conversations that people have, especially amongst their peers um, the more like allies you're going to find. And so it won't be quite as lonely and, and like painstaking to like implement this type of leadership. And it's like, eventually you're going to get to a place where those crusty old folks are going to be outnumbered. And even if they're in the senior positions, it's like at some point, the, the balance 
on the scale shifts in to, to the many, you know what I mean? Like in a chief's mm-hmm. mess, the way that it's, it's constructed is like, if you're willing to speak up, if the whole chief's mess is telling a, a, a CMC or an SEL, like, no, that's wrong. We need to do it this way. The vast majority of the time, they're going to go with that. They're going to be like, okay, literally everyone in this room is telling me I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Like they're not insane people. They just have this belief system built uh, built throughout a career where throughout a whole bunch of promotions, awards, and stations, they were validated in their behavior, except mm-hmm. now they're not being validated. Now they're being warned off that behavior by uh, an entire room full of chiefs who like they respect and these are my peers. These are my people. And they're telling me I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And because like, what do they call it? Like uh, when you're when you're like, in, is there some metaphor or analogy or whatever, where like when somebody's in trouble, their like career, uh, whatever light is blinking and they're mm. <laughs> like in their peripheral vision where it's like, that's those guys want to be every one of those guys wants to be like a force or a fleet or whatever, you know, like they all have delusions of grandeur that they're going to be the big on someday or yeah. whatever, you know, they're going to go somewhere and be something uh, important. So it's like, if they're at, at, at like they're on their first or second, like CMC tour, it's like, uh, they're still concerned about progression. So like that's a, a, you know, it shouldn't be what's necessary, but it's a good way to uh, warn off somebody in that position from doing something that is detrimental to the organization and all the people in it. Like um, a lot of times we had success and not always. I had a, my last CEO on a submarine was um, I don't think he's a bad person, but he was effectively like bipolar, um, like a little like a bit of a like megalomaniac like he just he was a tyrant when we were at sea um i think he was just miserable when we were out to sea because like when we were in port he was generally pretty happy dude um but he had there was a history there like he i had a weird conversation with him one day when we were in the off crew about like his his dad was an army uh i think an nco and like the way he was raised was really harsh and blah, 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 blah. Like he told me a lot of things that he probably didn't tell a lot of people. And it was kind of weird, mm-hmm. but it, it made it make sense. It provided some context, but we had a lot of success and not always because the dude was like a bit. Uh, he probably should have been medicated, but, you know, <laughs> and that's not judgment. I'm medicated right now. But like, no, it's it, also the culture, too. Like, we, yeah, you can't do some things right. without risking your whole career. Right. And and but we had some success by pulling that dude in the chief's mess. Like we would we would have our little meeting and decide like, yeah, this is a terrible plan. And we would convince the cob and then the cob would go pull the CO down there. And the whole chief's mess would be like it'd be like an intervention. It would be like, look, sir, we understand why you're trying to do this. We think there's an alternative path. But if we go down this one, these are the these are the things that are going to happen. And these are why they're terrible. You know, like we don't think we all have all like universally agreed that it's a terrible fucking plan. And he would a lot of times would would wave off like he would let us save him from making a mistake. Um, not always, but like but some like yeah. I, a lot of times I would say like I would say it was definitely like 75, 80 percent of the time he would let us like wave him off and just be like, this isn't the move, sir. Like um, so like you can you can do that, but it only works when it's the majority. So the same thing would apply to like a, you know, like an SEL or something like that, where the more of these people to loop back to what I swear I started, the more of these leaders, especially when they get into the mess that are willing to speak those things 
like out loud in that environment are you're going to have a lot more success but you know like a lot of there there are times like right now where if like chiefs are in there that believe in these things and they're trying to trying to kind of sway the mess in that direction there's gonna be a lot of times where you're gonna be like the only one in the room that's willing to like agree to it in public so like if you're saying it there's gonna be a lot of times where it's gonna be a hard sell um and you're gonna feel like you're the only one that feels that way what i firmly believe is you're not the only one that feels that way you're the only one that's willing to say it out loud because they're worried the the collective mess is going to eat their face you know it's like which they is a valid i was going to ask you oh yeah what's the what what is what is that fear though i mean you're you're saying it takes an act of congress to to de-chief a chief then what is the fucking problem oh sorry no i'll I'll footnote it it's no it's not nothing different than like uh, where am I going to sit? Like, what lunch table am I going to sit at in high school? It's it's just ostracism, and like, there the fear is that um, they'll get ostracized by the mess, which can happen. It's a bad mess in my by definition, in my opinion, if they're doing that. But um, you can get ostracized. You can it can affect your you know evals and stuff um, unfairly. Like, you could be just crushing your job. Your division could be killing it, but. Um, they will find a way, you know, to to give you the eval because, like, I've fought against that just as a cook chief. There's a culture on submarines where um, our job isn't as valuable as everyone else's, so it's you know, like, I could show you evals where I'm objectively an early promote where I did not get an early promote because I'm a cook, and and that's that is the only reason. Like, I, I it's it's ridiculous, but uh, same kind of thing. Like, if if it's a there's a chief that like it's essentially a popularity contest. <laughs> like obviously you have to do certain things and meet certain metrics as well. Like if I don't qualify the watch, I'm supposed to be standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a, a real reason to, to uh, for my performance to reflect that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I can be doing everything I'm supposed to be doing on paper. Um, but just be unpopular based on, like I and they'll they'll chalk it up to something like oh he well he has an attitude problem he's like divisive he's always like disagreeing with everything yeah you know I mean like so he's basically they're deciding that you're not being a good chief like you're not being a good leader and so that's the fear is that that's gonna very in a very real sense affect their ability to promote and their career um, but the big fear is just uh, like they're like. It's, it, it's motivated by sense of belonging. They want to be part of the club, you know, like they want to, everybody wants to be liked. Like, I'm not going to pretend that just because I'm like this rebel in the eyes of a lot of people, that, like <laughs> there wasn't like that. I wanted to go to work and feel like a pariah. Like, I like, oh, sure, it's not, yeah. uh, but at the same time, I was willing to feel that way. If I felt the cause was just and whatever, I definitely, I definitely was known as somebody that, was vocal and uh if anybody was going to say something inappropriate in front of the co or rock the boat it was me and it, i don't think those things were inappropriate but yeah you know, like the it was one of those i was the guy at the all hands call raising his hand and asking the question that would piss off the <laughs> that was me and so like i i was always willing to challenge people and disagree with people and argue with people which there was when i was a second class it was an attitude problem when i became a boot chief it was immaturity and I need to learn how to do certain things better. But also I was vocal and and they thought that was a good thing. I just kind of needed to learn how to hone it. And then as a department chief, I was, you know, the, the best. Yeah, I, I was 
I was like uh, the Cobb's right hand man. I was like the they viewed it as only an asset. So it's weird how that works. I mean, the, I would piss the Cobb off quite a bit, but um, he still that, viewed that was it worth it. it right. You're yeah. Like, he still viewed it as an asset, even <laughs> though I annoyed him sometimes. You know, he would, <laughs> he would snap at me sometimes and just put his foot down. But that was how he kind of that was to me. That was just the indicator that I needed to stop talking because I also have that wiring of like he's the cob so like i am here to support him i view my like passionate disagreement on a thing as me taking care of him like i'm trying to warn him off what i think is the wrong move but at the end of the day he's making the decision like he it's his prerogative to say we're going this way shut up and call her and <laughs> i would i would voice my displeasure and disagreement and the reasons why and i would argue with him about it and tell him he was wrong and then he just knew the only way to shut that off was to put his foot down. And so like right. he would, he would snap at me and he would just be like, you know, it, almost like a parent, you know, like he'd get real stern and like his, his voice yeah. would, and his facial expression, and everything just be like, we're done now. And I'm like, okay, like, and I would right. stop, but it's cause like at the end of the day, it's like, it's, it's your mistake to make man. Like, and I still think it's a mistake, but I had, mm. I had to do that. Like I had to, um, to try to warn him off or disagree or whatever and convince him that I'm right. But, um, and there were some times where I wasn't right, but I thought I was so, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's the fear. Um, long winded answer to your question. It's, it's, it's a, mostly a sense of belonging thing. Um, uh -huh. they're, they're afraid they're going to get ostracized and it's a real fear, but also, um, there's the same the same issue as like a, a CEO getting warned off of a course of action. It's like they're afraid that if they upset the apple cart, that it's going to affect their eval or like standing or whatever. Yeah, definitely see that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Zonks. How, how did that happen? <laughs> Tell right, me well, the origin story. Back in when I was a wee child. When I, 87 years ago. It's been 84 years. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I have always uh, been an artist, but blah, 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 drawing ever since I could walk kind of, kind of thing. But uh, where it really started taking off is uh, on uh, the Theater Roosevelt on CVN 71. Uh, I We had a whiteboard in Air Ops and um, they wouldn't let me be the airplane comic person. <laughs> so I took that frustration out and the whiteboard in air ops and, and just little, yeah. little comics that really didn't mean anything to anybody outside of that current flight ops for that day. Yeah. Uh, started doing that there. And then, uh, when I got, uh, to my first shore command, I started thinking like I could actually kind of, kind of do this, uh, and started making comics. My, my husband, uh, does comic book writing and, and uh, oh, okay. uh, table, tabletop RPG writing and stuff like that. He, was, he had a mind for that and a story. We, we worked together on a comic, published it, self-published it, and then took the next two editions to Kickstarter to publish those. And then in tandem after the success of the first comic I, I started thinking like why don't like I have so many so many stories and started making uh number one EP, which is the, the slice of life com uh, comic that I was doing, um, 2019, 2020 it's on hiatus okay. right now, but it, it, you know, just because I'm working on something adjacent to it with that, with that universe now, but, uh, so started on the ship and then started taking all of the collected stories that I had from not, not just my own experience, but from everybody around me and started and started making short comics. And, yeah. uh, I also, 
love uh, D&D and mm. was thinking about a comic to write for, for the next week. And I was like, you know, like air traffic controllers are a lot like, like high elves, right? Like we're snooty and we think we're better than everybody and nobody really yeah. ever sees us. And then I was, I, I did that one and then started getting into like your AOs, what are AOs? And then it started, I was like, I'm going to do every single rating that we have. Yeah. And it kind of, that was the, the Navy springboard. D&D illustrations are what got me, man. Those are <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then right now uh, I said like, well, I want to, I want to wrap, I want to wrap Navy D and D into a nice cohesive uh, package. That's not just a slice of life comic. So it just wrapped up in April on Kickstarter, but we are producing a uh, Navy D and D adventure called nice. Starlight to Starbird. So it takes place uh, on the uh, UAV Eversail, which is a fictional ship that transits between planes of existence. So what if maybe, <laughs> but like things get wonky when you travel planes of existence. So you have every, every conceivable uh, subclass and race uh, that's available in the world's greatest role-playing game and bringing it into things that that the navy culture would understand yeah so stand standing watch and and sweepers and and, and that kind of like your the main rating is a sweepers mate so uh, <laughs> that um <laughs> is with our that's with our graphic designer right now but we are looking for um a release in uh, uh before july so right in time for comic-con i'll be there nice uh, that that's going to be fun. It's my first time with a booth at Comic-Con. So that's amazing. Geez. Like you're, I like, so I'm like, I I went through the the website because like I've only really followed it on social media and I was going through the website and like you have a a ton of stuff. And so like, like how is this like, um, is it like a business now? Is it like something that you're doing as like a side hustle, but it's becoming like a a full, because it's like, I, like I was looking at, I'm looking at like all the different things and I'm just like, how is this, how is this working out for you now? Like as, as you've been doing it as far as like a, um, like a future business model or whatever. And like, are you planning on doing it <coughs> as that? Or is it just like a thing you do for fun? Um, it started as something I want to do for fun, but became something that I, I really would love to do full time. Um, yeah. my time in the service comes to a closer once I find myself with more time, I'd, I'd love to continue doing it more consistently. I mean, um, I, I do commissions on the side if I have the time mm. and I'll take those. I had, I had a Patreon for a short amount of time where I would, um, release comics and extra content and stickers for, yeah. for, uh, patrons, but like, my time became a little bit uh, strained, so I had to stop that. But that's something right. that I absolutely would pick up on. And then, yeah, it is a business, and and I intend to to continue to grow that. Um, it's, it's an essential part of who I am already, art. Yeah. But, um, if I could do it for a living, that's even better. I mean, I, I found, like, a huge uh, reception, like a warm reception on TikTok. So it just I, video Oh, video yeah, that's not takes- surprising. <laughs> videos all the take kids forever and yeah I'd, i've learned so much lingo i'm yeah only kind of inept now <laughs> yeah christina christina darienzo has been like trying to get me on tiktok and like i like i'll probably do it at some point um when i retire i'll probably like and but it kind of freaks me out too because like i'm one of those people that listens to like all the podcasts to talk about how it's like a Chinese app that steals all your information and all this stuff. So like, so I'm a little like worried in that regard, but I might just get like a device that I only use for that. And then 
like I feel like I kind of have to if I'm going to try to lean into this as a business when I retire, which is my plan. Um, I feel like I kind of have to because that's what that's where everybody is now. And it's like that was the whole point of doing a podcast was to like reach sailors where they are on mm-hmm. their phones and stuff. And so it's like for me to like get the word out and and um, like create a resource for them. It's like I, I feel like I, I kind of have to do yeah. TikTok stuff. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, I'm going to have to. It, with the Pick data your brain thing. at some point. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, it's sheer dumb luck. And like, also just, I mean, it takes a lot of time and yeah, just yeah. being on the app all the time. And like, what weird seven second song am I going to have to chase now? And then yeah. also produce in a reasonable amount of time. And, and yeah, yeah. It's just like any other social media. Like there's, it's just yeah. consistency. And that's one thing that I've, as I've done this, I've just, I've, I've been really good at setting my own like self-imposed limitations just like what am i willing to accept uh-huh. and then if it doesn't grow beyond like that because like if i'm setting a because like for the entire time i've been doing this i i won't i've refused to like put my face or name on it while i'm on active duty and mm-hmm. so like that has pretty much precluded me from doing video on like youtube and stuff mm-hmm. um and what, but when I have done videos like the training ones, I've done for like chief package prep, and then I did one for like how to make chief uh, on like board stuff. And uh-huh. those have, those videos have gotten a, tr- a huge reception. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, like, I know it could be, it could have grown a lot more than it has if I was doing video podcasts, but I just decided I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that until I retire. Yeah. That's um, completely reasonable. I mean, yeah. You're, and and you've grown uh, the following and the the passionate fan base that you have without it. I mean, it's completely right. that's completely legitimate too. And then I, I I post a video like I have a joke that like if I if I see my shadow, I won't make another post in six months because it just takes <laughs> it takes so much time and energy and and it just the res- for me like animation itself like it takes forever. Hand yeah. animation takes forever, yeah. and then comics take take the time and if i want to do something personal i mean you, you do it in the capacity that you can with the resources that you have and right, time right. is like your most valuable resource and yep. like yep. there's and a thousand th- comics i have that i want to write but right draw yeah but. and that's like how i am with the content creation and everything else is like i have a huge appetite for doing this like when i started the Substack and the thought lab stuff like I would love to sit around and just read leadership books all day or like <laughs> psychology books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like write articles and like do podcasts and talk to people about it. And so I have all these things I want to do that I'm pretty passionate about and I have this big appetite for it, but I have all this other stuff going on that I mm-hmm. like, I have to balance. And until I'm retired, I'm going to take six months off and really lean into this and see where it goes. And can I make it a business? And like, how, but even then it's like, I'm still going to have a personal life and I'm still going to have things I want to do in that time. And then I also, I'm going to start school full time probably in about six months. To, so I, yeah, like a nice, easy transition with not a lot of work. Got it. Exactly. So like I want, but I, it's like, <laughs> I still understand it to be like, I, I have to have these self-imposed limitations because <laughs> like you're saying, it's like, it takes, Cause like, we're going to, I mean, probably do damn near two hours just recording. And then I have to record the intro and outro and then I have to filter it and then I have to edit it and then I have to post it. And then I, you know what I mean? So it's like, absolutely, yeah. Every podcast is like five hours of my life, which adds up when you're doing as many as I do. And cause I, I'd like to do more podcasts too. Like I'd like to have like two, two go up a week and then a thought lab post and that po- audio recording go up every week. That's, 
I mean, that's a commitment that I yeah. right now I can't manage. But when I retire, I'm pumped about trying to do that. But then at the same time, like, yeah, it's the TikTok and that's like at the bottom of my to do list. But I, yeah. I, I still feel like I need to do it. I, I feel like the way that I would do something like that is maybe like a like bits of like wisdom with some mm-hmm. humor or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. But uh, so what are you said you're at like nine years right now? Uh, just over eight. Just over eight. Just over eight. So like, is it a career or are you going to chase um, your dreams at some point? Because <laughs> that's a long time to wait. To I, I find myself floundering uh, currently. Yeah. I, I mean, I when if you had asked me in 2014 when I joined, I was going to be the McPon. And yeah. when you asked yeah. me in 2017, I wanted to get out yesterday. And yeah. now like there's if, if certain circumstances are met, uh, vis-a-vis making LDO is would be probably my only convincing career path in order to stay. But yeah. I mean, I'm not under the illusion. Like I only wanted to stay in one term, at, like one one reenlistment. But here I am at yeah. eight, year eight, and I'm, I'm under no illusions that things can change and that situations can change. So yeah, um, if I make it a career, then great. I know I I love I love air traffic control. I love okay. doing my job every day. I love being on watch every day. The the navyisms, as I'm sure every sailor listening knows, like all the extra stuff all those thousand little paper cuts add up to a point where yeah. Yeah, everybody's do. burned out. I mean, they, the ever uh, enticing uh, civilian and GS level jobs on my, in my career path are, are ludicrous amounts of and money. You pro- yeah. I, that's one thing that I've, I believe I came to understand through a buddy that whose wife did it. Um, and I, he got out, but uh, I don't know. I think she's still in. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but like, like the money you could make as a civilian is absurd in comparison, if I understand that correctly. You do. I mean, and it comes with its own costs, right? Yeah. Uh, like everybody always goes like there's a, the number one comment thing that I hear, whether I'm making comics for Navy Recruiting Command or on my own post is like, oh, I hear it's the highest suicide rate in the Navy it or the highest suicide rate job. Like it, I'm sure there was a stat at some point that made that make sense, but I, it's stressful, but not to that degree. But then there's yeah. also the time sink. Every, like if you're in the ATC subreddits and, and seeing the heartbeat of that community, people are, are working six days a week with Monday being their day off. And yeah. they make hand over fist, but at what cost? And if your right, time exactly. is valuable, then that might not be a cost you're willing to make. And, and, uh, this, for me, like going DOD, then just being the civilian counterpart to the same exact job would be ideal because, yes, you only make uh, the equivalent of like 20 days off a year instead of the 30 of the military. But like you only work weekends. You have to get paid extra if you want to come in extra. Yeah, yeah. If you have a collateral, you're getting paid to do X, Y, and Z. If you work on the night shift, you get paid a different pay rate. That's higher. Right. So um, it's, yeah, LAX makes 200 and something thousand dollars a year, right? Yeah. But- yeah. Like how their life hurts. It's not. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I met a controller who recently uh, retired from Chicago Tracon, like extremely busy servicing all of the Midwest airports right around there for yeah. 18 years. She early retired and, and like, I, as I understand it, she made a ton of money and it was oh, and yeah. it's amazing for her. But like, for me, it wasn't worth the amount of time that she might have spent there. And yeah, it, it's different for everybody. And I'm never I, when people are like, I think I'm just going to get out after one. Then if that works for you, then awesome. If, yeah. if staying in this Navy is is for you, then also awesome. 
Yeah. It's, it's, we'll see. That's, we'll, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> That's how I viewed the Navy is like, I'm, I'm retiring. Um, and I have all of these amazing benefits. Like when I was going through taps, like I always kind of knew, but it was like this background process running in my brain of like, I have, you know, all these benefits and it's, it's cool. But like, I didn't leverage a lot of them while I was in, um, except for like the VA home loan, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but like, as I've gone through all the taps things and done like the two day courses and all that stuff, it's like, I've been like marveling at, at like the place I am in my life as far as like the freedom I'm going to have when I retire is kind of mind blowing. Cause like I, there's extremely likely I'm going to be a hundred percent disabled <laughs> like with all <laughs> my medical stuff. But it's like, so like that combined with my pension um, is pretty close to what I'm making right now on active duty. And then like I got all these education benefits, which for those listening, it's not just your post 9-11 GI bill. If you're greater than 30% disabled, you get essentially another post 9-11 GI bill. You get another 36 months of benefits through the VA um, where they're paying you the house stipend every month. I mean, that's 72 months that's of huge. that. Yeah, that's insanity. And so for me trying to be a psychologist when I grow up, like I already have a bachelor's degree and I don't know how much will translate to psychology because it's not in psychology. It's an organizational leadership. But um, it's like I that is going to pay for everything. Like I'm not going to have a dime of debt when I graduate as a doctor of psychology. Like so it's just like and I, there's a bunch of other stuff, too. Like if I'm 100 percent disabled when we move to Texas, I'm not going to pay property tax, which is high there. Yeah. Like there's all these benefits that are just insane and the type of freedom I'm going to have, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then yeah. at the same time, the scar tissue that remains is like, yeah. pr- like, cause you say like, oh yeah, if I'm a hundred percent disabled, like I'm going to get, have all this money every month. But yeah. What do you think has to happen for yeah. somebody to what be a hundred? Yeah. What do you think's wrong with me? Like, I, right. so like the, the mileage on these tires is the reason I'm probably going to be a hundred percent disabled. So it's like, it's that when I look at stuff like that, as far as like the like what you're describing as to being a civilian air traffic controller, it's like, yeah, maybe if you think you can. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like you got to understand it's like a video game and your power bar is going down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the longer you do this, the more like jeopardy you're in as far as like uh, the, the cost, you know, like you're there's you're going to walk away with scar tissue. And so it's like. Um, if you're willing to accept that, you know, like cool. But like for the money, it's like, I like, cause I got buddies that have been trying to shepherd me towards like, uh, DOD contracting stuff because mm-hmm. of my time in special projects. And I'd make just a grip of money. Like I'd make a ton of money there based on the clearance that I have and the experience that I have. But it's mm-hmm. also just like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, like yeah. I'm looking at the job. Yeah. I was like, no, like, and so um, it's cool that I'm going to have this type of freedom. But also, like you were saying, like did, going in and doing this stuff like that, it's like, there's a cost, man. Like yeah. there's, it's a cost it, to staying it can, in. There's a cost to getting yeah. out. Yep. Yep. So, and it can be excruciating. Um, yeah. It's 10 more years uh, by the, yeah. the day. My current uh, out is 10 years to the day. And uh, that's a, that's a big decision. I mean, yeah, I, I came in with a bachelor's degree in college debt and I'm hoping that the new revamp of the system is going to wipe that, wipe that for me and right. I'll start 
with a degree and no debt. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's the same story for a lot of sailors who, who get their degree and then, then come in. Yeah. So it, it, just have a plan. <laughs> I just have a plan. Cause I have, you know, no, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And right. I have <laughs> plans A, B, C, D through Z and hopefully yeah. one of them sticks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even make plans anymore. I just kind of like <laughs> have have uh, vague ideas of a direction I may want to head with the <laughs> understanding it, it it may and probably will change. Because like I, I'm saying, like I want to be a psychologist. I might start school and hate it. I don't know. Like I, mm-hmm. I am very interested in psychology, which has become this natural extension of like the leadership uh, research I do for like the Thought Lab stuff, which I was doing it anyway, just because I think it's interesting. But mm-hmm. um but the more I do it, the more it just kind of leaned towards human psychology. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then my psychologist is telling me I'll be a good psychologist. I'm like adding these things up and I'm like, oh, okay. And then yeah. I've, I've always kind of in the back of my mind thought it would be really cool to work for vet work with veterans when I retire, like, like a nonprofit or something. And I'm thinking like, I'll, I'll, I don't know, like just volunteer or, find some kind of a job helping somehow, but I didn't really know how. And then I'm looking at it like, oh, well, if I'm a psychologist, there's always a need for mental health stuff. And Mm -hmm. I can just do that. Like I'll work for the VA or I'll, I'll work for a nonprofit doing whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, um, but also that could all just completely change. Like if I spend the six months leading into the podcast stuff and it explodes and I'm making plenty of money and I'm enjoying myself and it's occupying all my time, like, Maybe I won't. Like maybe I'll just decide yeah. that's the move. I don't know. Like who, maybe who you'll knows? maybe you'll decide social work works better for you in terms of working yeah. one on one. Maybe you'll term psychiatrist, psychology, whatever kind of program you decide. Like right. as, as long as you're fulf- like your needs are met and you're fulfilled. Like yep. I think the Navy also programs you to just like always be be climbing this ladder, right? Like yeah. even our even our career progression is called ladder. So yeah. we we it, but it's okay to just be. Yeah. And and for achiever like a lot of overachievers and and perfectionists like it's just Well yeah, being. and the navy the navy has created the system around this upper out idea where it's not okay to just be right. which I think is right. insane because there are people who are happiest and most productive when they're turning a wrench or when they're Mm-hmm. You know, doing like air traffic control, like actually doing the job. Like they don't want to be an administrator. They don't want to be a leader. They just right. want to do that job because they love it. And it's like that's going to provide the most value to the organization and the most value towards mission accomplishment. And we're self self sabotaging by forcing those people out of the, out of those positions, and it doesn't make any sense. So right. And, um, and my husband's in the army, so he mm-hmm. so I have that like insight of of the career progressions where you can either be basically a subject matter expert or you can go into administration. So like yeah, you're getting paid. That's how the Marines money. are too. I and, wish and it makes sense. Yeah, I wish the Navy did that because. Like there's a lot of people. Um, so me and the master chief that I work with, who's an LS, we're both like. Um, I, so I was going to go back to sea as a cob, which you know, like I'm basically just jettisoning my rate and becoming a CMC at that point. Uh-huh. Um, which I kind of wish I could have done sooner, um, because I've been into this for so long and I've been passionate about it for so long and I've kind of been out on being a culinary specialist for a long time. Like not that I don't love all my CSs, but. I was very passionate about food for the first like 10 years I was doing this, Um, but it Mm -hmm. started to wane even before that. And then once I'm like an LPO slash chief, I'm just kind of like not even really doing that anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't a big fan of the admin side of it 
and I, I I hate, I hate it really. But, um, but I, when I got to do leadership stuff, I was, I was hooked. And so like, that's what I wanted to do. And so I would have had a very clear decision point when I made chief, which would have been like, you know, gunnery sergeant, sergeant first class or whatever, where I would transition into that path as soon as possible. Cause I already knew at that point that that's what I wanted to do. And so I really wish they would, they had like a first sergeant thing, you know, like yeah. where, where you could go that route, that route and start just doing leadership stuff because it makes, I think it makes a ton of sense. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so for like, so for like, cause I, I don't even know how to ask this question for the Zonk stuff. Like, is it something that you can see yourself maintaining if you decided to like finish and do 12 more years um like yeah the- I, it's just it's for me it is so integral like it's yeah. a place for me to to be able to express things that i you know can't in in a professional setting i mean right i, I think that if you have something like like what you have here at, and for me the art you have a passion to do it outside like uh, nobody tells me i have to do these comics and nobody right. tells you you have to construct an entire podcast but you do it because you love it and because like you can't see yourself not doing it and and i think i'll need it i think if no matter what happens i will need this aspect of my life in in comics and being able to talk about uh the 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 doldrums and the woes of of life in a way that makes other people relate yeah, this has been extremely like cathartic for me as I've as I've done <laughs> it. Where like it's just been a like a relief valve where I can like vent all mm-hmm. the stuff, which it seems to be a theme through like every content creator I talk to. It seems like that's what that's what it is, right? Like, um, even the meme guy, like the dude sixty nine fathoms that I talk to, man, he's just got a meme page, but it's like the same thing. It's like a, it's like a place for him to vent. Uh, that kind of frustration or, or whatever. Um, and so that's, this has been that for me in a lot of ways. And it's also what's, what's really cool about this is my best friend was, he's my best man at my wedding that happened. Uh, so the actual ceremony was about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, and he asked me, cause I, he, at that point I knew I was retiring and he goes, uh, I know you well enough to know that uh, you need to do like the things you're doing in the military. Like you need to do that. Like you need that sense of purpose and fulfillment and you're really good at it and you care about these people a lot. How are you going to get that when you retire? And I was like, Oh, the podcast dude, like I already do. Like I already get Mm -hmm. that level of fulfillment, like probably more than I do than I have on active duty in a, in a while, like in years. Um, where the, just cause it's like, if you think about being a leader and like, I basically only get the good part of it. <laughs> like, not that I've <laughs> never gotten any negative feedback, but it's usually on Reddit, which is like, uh, that's where, you know, like I'm inviting it effectively, but, mm-hmm. um, it's like, I only get to do the good fun part and it's like, I only get fulfillment out of it. So it's like. And I get it on this way larger scale because I'm able to reach far more people than I am like on a submarine. There's a, there's a limit to who yeah. I can have FaceTime with. Yep. Um, and so like I have a small division and like I impact other sailors on the ship, but I mean, it's like 
a small fraction of who I reach with one episode. So it's like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just so obvious to me that this is what I want to do yep. with my, all my time when I retire. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes, but it's like that, the idea of having like a new mission when you retire, it's something that Jocko's always saying, like one of the reasons like veterans have ish, an issue transitioning out of the military is because they've spent so much time uh, fulfilling that like sense of belonging need that you have uh, by being a part of this organization, by being part of something that's greater than themselves and like all these people that relied on them and they relied on those people and they were contributing to mission accomplishment, and blah, blah, blah. And then they get out of the military and that's gone. Like it's just erased immediately and they yeah. don't have a plan mm -hmm. for like fulfilling that need as far as like, um, the sense of belonging to something that because even even if you join like even if you do something like you join an organization as a job it's not the same thing like you get a job at walmart like the, you're not mm -hmm. going to get the same sense of belonging you get a job at amazon you're not gonna it's like i'm just doing this for money so it's like and maybe you love your job so like maybe you would go like if you went and did like the air traffic controller thing and they're paying you really well it's like it's still like not the same thing. Like it's, yeah. it's in your case, if you did it in the DOD path, I mean, yeah, it's sort of adjacent. Like you're still serving the country's interests in a way by being a DOD employee. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's, they, you lose that sense of belonging when you transition and a lot of people have a hard time filling it. And I'm just like, yeah, I've already done. Luckily I've already found it by kind of by accident. Like yeah. I just kind of decided to do this one day. Um, yeah, and, did, and, it's, and I, I hope they talk about that in taps at some point. I hope it continues to get talked about. If not, uh, the that sense of purpose and drive that you'll suddenly be outside looking in. And I really hope that it it gets talked about because I've seen you and I have both seen sailors get out yeah. who just wander, yeah, just have lost kind of the path. I mean, I they kind of mentioned it, um, but I w what I w really wish was that there was like. Like they had like a, a mental health professional come in and talk yeah, and just say, hey, yeah, yeah, because we talked about it a little bit. But I mean, just give me an hour. I don't need like a, a whole day of them. I just like them coming in for an hour and, and explaining that kind of a thing, I think, would be really valuable. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we did. They did kind of mention it because um, I think. God, it all kind of runs together, but like sure. I, I forget how it got brought up, but I know it, I know it did. Um, and it, but a lot of it is usually through the lens of go to mental health so you can get evaluated for stuff for disability, like that that grifter like. Also, mentality. you need a LinkedIn. Some, also, you need a resume. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, but it's like there's this mechanism of um when people are discussing like va claims that becomes grifty you know where like mm, people yeah. are trying to convince you to like claim things that aren't real and like yeah or like um can try to convince the va to give you money basically and it's like yeah i've had a lot of those conversations and i always like cringe but at the same time i'm just sitting there i'm like yeah, I don't need to do any of this because I'm actually broken. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I have this like laundry list of things that Sales are wrong with unnecessary. me. Yeah. yeah, like I don't, I don't, I'm not, the, I'm not coming out of this like largely healthy, and I need to like 
you know, I will try and make stuff up or it's like, no, I'm actually, dude, I'm like, I actually have a ton of stuff that's wrong with me. And what's hilarious is a lot of the stuff that people bring up as like, um, a thing you could like get away with or something. I like laugh at them and then I'll go to a doctor's appointment and get diagnosed with that thing for real. And I'm just like, like carpal tunnel was one of them. And I like laughed at this kid when he was telling me, but I also had been having this issue for like two years where I have like pain in, it's like in my scapula on my right side. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a mess. I'm kind of, I have this weird build where like I have short arms, uh, but like a long torso and so it feels like I can't reach things a lot. Like, so I'm. Are you a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Kind of. Like, okay. I'm kind of a That's dinosaur. That's all I'm imagining. <laughs> so, like, so, like, I, I'm, I'm, um, I find myself kind of like rounding my shoulders and having bad posture mm, a lot because gotcha. I need my arms to be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what <laughs> happens is like I, I end up with pain and all this crap in like my neck and upper back. And so what was happening for like the last two years, it happened when I, my cancer diagnosis happened, but obviously I was like, focus on other things at the time and during covid like no one cared about regular health stuff so like i even brought it up to one of the nurses at the um one with that worked for one of my surgeons Mm -hmm. just asking her like is do you know what this is and she goes yeah you probably just have like a pinched nerve or something but uh she's like honestly if you went to a doctor about it they probably wouldn't even care like because there's so much other stuff going on but it developed in this thing where I had like that pain and it got really bad. And then I had pain in my forearm and then my hand was like starting to go numb, like that tingling and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I Uh-oh. finally got to the point where I'm like, I got to go like I got to go like uh, get this looked at. And then the dude, died. he's like, you have carpal tunnel. I'm like, get the get out of here. <laughs> like, Jeez. really? And so it was like to me, that was like just a stupid thing. Mm-hmm. That like wasn't even a real diagnosis. He goes, yeah, you probably have like a pinched nerve, but like you have carpal tunnel. Like that's what this is. And he gave me this like p- basically PT stuff to do. But like uh, it kind of helps. But like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it was hilarious to me that like there's that they're like, go get flat feet and all this other dumb stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't care if my feet are flat. Like, who, <laughs> like, what does that actually affect with my like quality of life on a daily? Like, I don't know. But there's all this weird stuff that is in the like. I guess like in the instruction or something where people get like kind of grifty about it sometimes, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of gross. Cause I always looked at it. Like I wasn't even going to put in a VA claim. I was like, I'm fine. Like, I don't have any problems. And yeah. then like the wheels fell off the wagon right before <laughs> like two years out basically from retirement. And then as I learned more about it through taps and everything else, I'm like, all right, fine. Like I'll, I'll put it in, but I'm not arguing the point. Like a lot of people do. I'm like, it, my ratings, my rating. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be high though. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> looks at my stuff and you, their eyes get big and they're just like, holy crap, oh, dude. Like, okay. You're definitely going to get you rated You walked in high. here? You walked yeah, in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's so strange too is like outside of how tired I am all the time, um, I present as like a healthy adult, you know, like I don't, yeah. like I have, but all the stuff I have is kind of it's kind of bizarre. Like you'll notice it if you hang out with me long enough, like I get this like lot, not lock jaw, but it's like the, they call it TMJ and I forget what it stands for, but like it's a side effect of radiation where, um, if I open my mouth a certain way or if I'm like chewing sometimes or like, uh, weirdly, like I blow my nose a lot cause that's where the tumor was and there's all these fun side effects from radiation. But, um, when I blow my nose, it triggers it sometimes, but I get this like shooting pain up both sides of my neck and into my Yikes. jaw. 
and I have to like mas- kind of massage the sides of right under the jaw hinge and just like open and close my mouth and I make like a weird face because it hurts. So oh like if gosh. you hang out with me long enough, you'll start to notice things. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's not, you know, like it happens probably like, I don't know, like five or six times a day and it only lasts for like 30 seconds if I like massage it out real quick and stuff. Um, yeah. But like, you know, there's like just weird stuff like that. Um but there's a bunch of it. And so like, if you hung around me long enough, you'll start to notice weird things. But, um, it's not like, I don't, th- I don't look at it like I'm like debilitated or anything. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of weird the way that they explain the whole rating thing to you. Mm-hmm. Cause like, it's not to me, I'm like largely fine. There's dudes missing limbs. There's people that like have really bad PTSD and all this other stuff. And so to me, I'm like, I'm fine. But then right. also like I have all these issues that will, like will affect my ability to do a job. Like, like I have right. describing this problem to like a civilian is hard. Oh, yeah. Like I'm it's everybody insanity. who is not in the military, who has made it this far. is just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Are you yeah okay? exactly. And that's, that's the way they want you to look at it. And I have yeah. a hard time looking at it that way because I could deploy right now. Like, right, even right, though, right. even though I, I shouldn't <laughs> like right. I could, I, in my mind, I, I'm like, probably better off now than I was on my last deployment when I was standing dive at eight hours a day. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of hilarious, but I'm trying to transition my mentality to like the civilian world where it's like, no, nah, if I had to go like be employed, it's like my ability to focus is, is compromised. I have this mm-hmm. hearing, this hearing thing where it's like, I can't like, if I'm in a meeting, I have a hard time focusing on more than one person apparently it's called auditory processing disorder which i didn't even Uh know was a real thing until i went to i got an audiogram done they're like you have excellent hearing and i'm like well tell my wife that because i'm saying like what every five (laughs) seconds and it's driving her insane which is why i'm here in the first place so if you're telling me i have excellent hearing i'm like "Uh, no i'm like throwing up a bs flag like what (laughs) something's not right here and so they sent me to a specialist and did some weird tests and so i have an issue they call it dichotic listening. So like, I guess I developed this thing where I, I, if you, if two people are in a room talking at the same time, try to talk to me at the same time, I can't do both. And like, or like if I have like a podcast playing or like the TV's on and my wife tries to talk to me, I have to pause the TV or I'm going to miss half of what she said. And it literally is like the Charlie Brown's teacher. Like, wah, 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 wah. Mm-hmm. like I don't get anything unless I pause it. And then there's thing with like, um, it's like an auditory memory thing, which I didn't even know was real either where it's like, uh, you could say some things to me. Right. And I have this issue where like, I hear you say it like, and I, I, it's weird. Cause you have, I have like a memory of you saying it and where I'm like, okay, I got all the words. Right. Cause I remember doing it during the testing, they were doing numbers. So I'd be like, okay, four, seven, nine, three. And then by the time I, they, there's a pause and then by the time it was time for me to repeat it back, I forgot two of them, you know, and, and I'm just like, I, but I remember being like, okay, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it just happened two seconds ago. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> and then I try to repeat it back and it doesn't work. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I'm glitching or something. And so that was, that was that. And so they gave me these hearing aids that help when I'm in like those dichotic environments. Like it doesn't fix it, but it like helps, I guess. Um, I'm glad to know that there's some sort of mitigation for it. Yeah, I, I mean, need to go to medical. <laughs> you, probably. <laughs> but that's what's funny, too, is like to find out about all this stuff, because I never went to medical unless I was like bleeding out of my eyes for 20 years. <laughs> 
And then at the very end, like <laughs> once cancer happened, I kind of was like shocked into the reality of like, hey, I should really get this stuff looked at. Like, yeah, I've been in pain for a really long time. I've had all this mm-hmm. crap going on for. And so I'm like, and ba- the only reason I went into medical for my nose was because I, I blew my nose towards the end of a, a deployment and like pressure backed up. And I already knew I had like a, a deviated septum. And that's all I thought it was. Um, and I was just ignoring it. I was like, yeah, when I'm done deploying, I'll go get this fixed finally. And, uh, when I blew my nose and like zero air passed on the right side and just backed up pressure, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> so yeah. like, I was like, God, I really got to get this looked at. And so that's what caught it. Cause it was, I had a tumor in my sinus and that's what wow. was happening. Um, and going up into my brain and all this fun stuff. But, um, so yeah, it's like going to medical and actually like treating yourself like a human being instead of a piece of equipment you f- you learn all these fun things like when you're in pain it's not normal <laughs> like when you yeah. like even if it's like bearable pain like which has been my entire adult life right where i've just been ignoring it or treating it like it's normal and i just need to like i i do like mobility and stretching and, and whatever mm-hmm. like i do yoga now i do all and it, it helps with some of it but like some of it is not normal. Like I had a torn labrum for a while and I was just like, ah, it's fine. It's just soreness. Like <laughs> I'm like Jeez. just walking it off God and then finally bless. it didn't go away. And I kept getting shooting pain when I was doing certain like exercises when I was like PT with students and I finally went in and got an MRI and they're like, yeah, you tore your labrum. I was like, oh, Ooh. so what do I do about that? <laughs> and I had apparently like, Cause it was a partial tear, but it hurt. And so like, apparently I had partially, like I'd gotten to a point where I, I basically like PT'd myself. I was working around it while I was doing CrossFit. And so my coach was really good at like, just like scaling or adapting workouts to the fact that my shoulder hurt when I did certain things. And I guess I like basically like physically, physical therapied my way <laughs> through it to a passable place. <laughs> to, to a, yeah. To a point where they're like, well, it only really gets repaired with surgery, but because I got to a point where I had little pain, like a little bit of pain, it wasn't a lot. And she's like, if I did surgery now, you just hate me. You'd be like immobilized for eight weeks. It would hurt a lot. Then you'd have to like do a bunch of physical therapy to get the muscle back and all this other crap. Mm. She's like, if you have, if you're to a point, because it, it took me so long to see an orthopedic surgeon that they're like, uh, if we did surgery now, it would almost be like, like you'd be regressing and so right, she's right, like, right i just we'll keep an eye on it hopefully it heals itself or something i don't know i don't know if it does heal but it's for it everybody listening really... go, to, go medical. to medical yeah just go, go to, to medical like, you have Please the go to medical go to medical you might don't not be... get seen for six years but go be, to yeah. medical don't be a moron like me like go <laughs> to medical um especially like when you're on shore duty because that's a time like if you have surgeries that need to get done and it's not like yeah. emergent obviously like don't wait if you have something emergent but um go because like i thought i just had a deviated septum turns out i had a rare form of cancer and i had to yeah. go do all this crazy brain surgery and radiation and all this stuff so the navy yeah. will be here when you get back yeah. i promise go to medical just go. like they were telling me like if i hadn't neglected it long enough i would have like lost vision in my right eye oh that's all, this all? other but yeah oh, yeah that's my it. gosh yeah, i could have <laughs> damaged my vision and all this other craziness so sheesh yeah wild um so yeah, I mean this this was cool. Like I, I feel like I want to ask you more things, but I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like it's not coming to my slow, irradiated <laughs> brain. Um, 
like where what so like go through like real quick because i i was trying when i was navigating the website i'm not gonna lie i got a little confused i burns too so just with like the so when I, I went to the link on your instagram and it took me to one place and then i went to there was a website link so then i went to that and but then i could it took me a hot minute to figure out how to actually see the comic like where i was ah. like oh, i wanted okay, so, to see that yeah so just run through all the things that you do so with uh, Zonks if, and, if you like want to see number one ep if you want to see number one ep uh my navy webcomic it is on webtoons and on tapas also like you'll, if you go through my facebook and instagram you'll find them uh okay. instagram is probably my most heavily uh trafficked social media site that's the one i pay the most attention to okay. um and uh, if you want to see the Navy D&D content or animatics or animation, you can go on TikTok. And uh, basically, if it's if it's it's going to hit uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all at the same time um, and then animation every once in a while on TikTok. <laughs> and what are like the names uh, on those? I am Zonkstraws, Z-O-N-K-S, draws on all platforms except yeah. for Reddit. But Reddit's a uh, real hipster barista. I only upload there every once in a while. OK, but, gotcha. Yeah. Zonk straws. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was super Thanks fun. so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. I've been meaning to bug you for a while. Like I like <laughs> doing, I like doing content creators cause I think it's fun to like, um, cause like if it's like a veteran owned business or like a whatever, I like to support that anyway for obvious reasons. But then like, if it's like an active duty service member doing something like this, I just think it's really interesting to see the like diversity of, of things that service members do. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of people yeah. f- assume we're like robots and like a certain <laughs> only on a certain me. like he's on to me. Yeah, a certain <laughs> flavor of people. I always think, of, have you seen the movie Grandma's Boy? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, where he's talking yeah. about his robot legs. Like it's a risky uh-huh. procedure, but I think it's worth it. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, yeah, I always think it's really interesting to to delve into like the wildly varying things that service members are interested in and that they do in their free time and that they're really creative and interesting human beings because it's like it's i don't know a lot of people kind of just assume there's a certain type of people that join the military and it's for a certain reason and usually we'll surprise you yeah usually it's so far off reality that it's like staggering Mm-hmm. And so it's super fun to like learn about the stuff. And then if I can obviously like put any more eyes on you, like well, thank I'm you so a big much fan of that. So I appreciate that. Hell yeah. I'm going to have to commission you to draw me or something with T-Rex oh arms. And, Absolutely. And, <laughs> and so just a regular portrait. Got it. Ringing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a self <laughs> This is a self-portrait. Ringing in my ears and pain in my jaw. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be dope. <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. Thank you so Hell much. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, I had a great time. It was super, super fun conversation. I learned a lot. Um, the, the <laughs> learning about air traffic controlling, I, I've heard of it. Uh, and I want to say maybe I met one once at like a school or something a long time ago, but I had somebody kind of try to explain what it was like once. Um, and it sounds extremely stressful and chaotic. And uh, it's just an interesting corner of the Navy too, that I don't, I don't think a lot of people are super aware of. I don't know. Maybe it's common on like aircraft carriers, um, like for other other sailors to interact with them and to know them better and kind of understand what they do in, in kind of the way I do with like submarine ratings and stuff. But um, I don't know. I thought it was really neat. Uh, maybe it's just the dork 
submariner in me that just doesn't have exposure to this kind of stuff but i thought that was super fun and then uh if you if you're not familiar uh with zonks comics go check them out i have all of the links to all of the things in the show notes for the episode uh so you can go view all the comics and the website and the and all her social media accounts and everything uh so she's got a patreon uh that supports all her work so just go check her out and support her uh gigantic fan uh and i had a great time uh, talking to her. Uh, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't go up ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't go up ship podcast. Uh, or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or Discord at DGUS Podcast. Um, as this is posting, I'm about to get on an airplane tonight. Well, I guess tomorrow. Uh, and I'll be out of town for a week. So, But I'll have my phone and stuff. So if I'm not quite as responsive, that's why. Um, but yeah, I'll be back in a week and be getting after it uh, pretty hard from then on now that things are starting to settle down. So um, if you want to support us, there's a donate link on the website, dguspodcast.com, or you can support us on the for-profit side of the house at Don't Give Up the Ship Apparel. Uh, you probably caught the ad at the beginning. And then uh, if you go to dguspapparel.com, you can get some Naval Pride and Heritage gear. You'll actually wear in public, and we would really appreciate that. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't give up the ship. <laughs>